Welcome to Nomina's Mental Health Mavens. I'm your host, Joanne, and every Sunday we bring you mental health and addictions experts on a variety of topics, including advanced evidence-based therapies. Now, guest opinions are their own and some content may be triggering, but our mission here and on our Nomina Wellness YouTube channel is to make exceptional mental health support accessible to everyone. So make sure to subscribe, give us that good rating, and maybe even share with a friend. So let's get to it. Welcome to episode 10 of Mental Health Mavens, and today's guest is Michelle M. May, and she's going to be talking to us about ISTDP, or Intensive Short-Term Dynamic Psychotherapy. So with that, welcome Michelle. Well, welcome Michelle. I am very excited to talk to you about ISTDP because I've been hearing a lot about it. Now, it's a fairly recent uh, psychotherapy, is it odd? It's, it, that's a really good question. It started to be developed and discovered in the 1960s, but it's been slower to take off because it takes a lot of training and a lot of expertise to actually do well. So it, it still feels new. And of course, the entire um, industry of psychotherapy is relatively new too. So I would say about 1960s. ISTDP uh, was developed by Dr. Habib Davinlu, uh, who was an Iranian living in Canada, who was originally trained in uh, uh, psychoanalysis and felt that it was taking too long. He wanted to figure out a way to shorten it. And at that time, psychoanalysis was that technical, you know, five days a week minimum, one hour. And so Davinlu said, what's, what's a way we can help our patients a little bit quicker? So, um, he began to study hours and hours and hours of videotape very diligently and started to find all of these patterns that I can talk about today um, that can help people actually break through to certain emotions and certain understanding and uh, look through different conflicts much faster. And then um, he started to teach people and show people his findings. And then it just slowly started to spread. So that's a really quick rundown of the development of ISTDP. Because okay. I know that with regular therapy, it's also expensive. So myself, I was looking for, come on, we got to do this fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a strange thing. Um, me and a bunch of people in my community have a real issue with the title of short term because it doesn't actually mean what it sounds like, right? So it does sound like what we're saying is you only have five sessions, either, you know, get it or get out. And um, really all short-term means in the context of ISTDP and any short-term dynamic psychotherapy is um, it's really just more of a historical reference to it's not long-term psychoanalysis, but really ISTDP can last for a very long time. And my experience, with a lot of my patients is it takes as long as it takes. Right. Whether it's two sessions, which is incredibly rare, only about three percent of our patients actually, you know, can have effective therapeutic results in that short of a time, you know, anywhere from five to ten sessions. But most people need, you know, a lot more. And most people suffer under the idea that things need to happen so quickly. And in fact, that's why they're there to begin with. Right. It's because they are dealing with that kind of life structure that has been um 
it's really hard for most of us to take. So the short term really needs an asterisk by it. Uh, this is one of the reasons why sometimes I call myself an intensive dynamic therapist and take the short term out uh, because of the way certain uh, patients will sometimes say, I've been here for too long or something wrong with me. Isn't this supposed to be short term? And there is nothing wrong with anyone that it is taking longer than what they think it should take. Okay. And what is it most effective for treating? So um, one of the reasons I was originally drawn to ISTDP is because um, it covers a vast array of, um, of issues. It might be easier to say what it's not always uh, indicated for, uh, you know, active substance abuse. Um, uh, people might need to go to a treatment facility, inpatient, outpatient before ISTDP, but it's still very good for people who um, uh, have dealt with substance abuse in the past or, or are actively uh, coming off substance abuse uh, practices. Um, not good for active bipolar one or bipolar two, even though it could still be helpful. But ISTDP, ISTDP is best for conflicts that arise around unconscious dynamics within our systems uh, due to avoidance of emotions around our attachments. So it's really fantastic for everything from, hey, I'm just having a hard time, you know, connecting. I feel kind of detached and distant. My life's actually pretty good. I would just kind of like closer relationships all the way to some actually more severe, um, severe mental health issues. Um, but each of those kind of domains take different types of ISTDP skills. And within ISTDP, there's a vast um, array of ways to help somebody, vast um, amounts of ways to intervene, um, which is one of the most rich parts of ISTDP. A lot of therapies look more like techniques, you know, for example, within CBT, which is an incredibly helpful method, and ISTDP overlaps with CBT actually a good amount, uh, focuses more on kind of doing these micro interventions in any given moment. And it's not always clear why a therapist is doing it. And it's not always clear if it's actually helpful for the patient or for the client. Within ISTDP, we're trained to see what's in front of us on several different levels, which I can go into. And be able to assess, you know, what kinds of things might be helpful here based on what I'm seeing. And then to use certain interventions, certain ways of relating in that moment. And then most importantly, to tell if that's actually helpful or not. Because sometimes therapists are just kind of like throwing things randomly and hope that they stick. And one of the enlivening and most um, exciting things about ICDP is that you start to get a sense of a way to understand what you're looking at and the results of what you're doing so that you can tailor your interventions um, quite well to whoever you're looking at. Okay. Now, I use myself as an example a lot because I had, I had lost a child through very traumatic circumstances mm-hmm. and went through that grief process where I was completely detached and um, mm-hmm. had to have a lot of interventions. So yeah. if I had come to you, what would, what would my journey look like if we were doing ISTDP? That's a great question. Um, some of the biggest um, assets we have as an ISTDP therapist is um, 
our own contact with our emotions and also our eyes. So when you come into the room, I'm not just going to listen to the words that you're saying. I'm going to see what type of detachment you're specifically referring to. Because there's a bunch of different types of detachment. There could be just the kind of detachment where someone says, yeah, I had a really hard childhood and it was, it was really sad, right? And they're sitting there and, and they mean what they say, but they don't sound or look like it, right? There's no actual tears in their eyes. There's no feel in the room of grief. So that kind of detachment is what we call isolation of affect. And I might point out to you, so you mentioned this really difficult childhood and how sad it was. And I'm noticing that when you say that, there's uh, really not a lot of emotion, right? Some people like to say there, there's, there's the lyrics, but there's no music, right? And then based on that one intervention I just did, which was simply pointing out what is observable in the room, I then watched to see where would you go next? What would happen next? Does your anxiety go up? Does it go down? Does it stay the same? Does a certain defense mechanism rotate into the front? And what kind of defense mechanism is that? And I start to really gather a picture of how your system reacts to me trying to form a very healthy and real bond with you that basically says, hey, I bet your traumatic childhood had to do with people not attuning to your emotions. And that's not going to happen here with me. And anybody with blood pumping through their body is going to have an emotional reaction to that which then I'm going to work with directly in the room. So to go back to your original question, which is, well, what would you do with me if I were to come in? I would first see what kind of detachment you were really talking about, because it could also be something like dissociation. Maybe it's the kind of detachment where it's like, I know I'm in therapy, but like, I can't see very clearly. I feel a little dreamy, something not quite right. That would take a completely different intervention on my part than what I said, if you were just kind of detached, like, yeah, I'm sad. So in ISTDP, we're trained to kind of see what we're seeing and test hypotheses about what's going to help you based on the evidence that we're gathering together as a collaborative team. Is that what the difference is then between regular psychotherapy and the intensive short-term dynamic? Yeah. um, Yeah. I think one of the biggest, most mind-blowing differences. And when I learned this, I, I swear there's still pieces of my brain all over the classroom that I was sitting in. Dr. Davin Liu, NISTDP, understood anxiety differently than the rest of, of psychotherapies and surely much different than the psychoanalysis at the time did. For example, Dr. Davin Liu discovered that there are actually three different ways that anxiety is discharged throughout the body and that you can use these three ways to figure out when to put your foot on the gas pedal, when to just put the car in neutral, and when to hit the brakes. And, and, and doing this in such an incredible, like, moment-to-moment um, way, that is, it's just so much fun to do. I'll give you an example. So the three different uh, ways that we discharge anxiety, um, the first one is called uh, basically voluntary striated muscle anxiety. So these are the kinds of things that you might think of when you think of someone looking a little anxious, right? They might be moving around, they sigh, you see them, right? That type of uh, anxiety that you can see in here is what we call striated muscle anxiety. And, And ISTDP therapists understand this to be green light anxiety that is under threshold of what the person can handle safely. 
So if you came into the room and you said what you said to me earlier, but I have this detachment, I would be looking to see if while you said that, you might just be very slightly playing with your fingernail or you can't see my feet right now, but my foot might be moving. Or maybe I'm even just like kind of holding myself in kind of this tense way that even makes you feel a little bit more tense, even as you're watching me. So there are these little ways that we tell, but that actually says in that moment, you can handle me pointing out a lack of feeling. I can actually step on the gas. So that's the first type of anxiety. The second and third type of anxiety is red light anxiety. It means time to step on the brake. Um, And this is actually sometimes where people look quite relaxed. It's very misleading, right? I'm not sighing. I'm not fidgeting. But there's something a little a little dead too. I don't have that muscle tone. And when we see that as ICDB therapists, we say, let's do a bit of a check. How are your intestines? Are you noticing any gases building up? Do you feel an urge to go to the bathroom? Is there any uh, gastrointestinal pain, acid reflux, um, anything that has to do with the smooth muscles um, in your, in your system? That's what we call the second type of anxiety or smooth muscle anxiety. So when that happens, we regulate, regulate, regulate. And a therapist goes into a totally different gear. The last type of anxiety is the highest. And that's where our senses kind of go. Our senses are like not on board. That's what I was kind of describing before. Maybe I'm looking around and like it's tunnel vision. You know, I can see you, but like, you know, your candles might be a little blurry and the plant next to you. Maybe my IQ, I'm a, you know, maybe I'm a smart person, but like it just crashes and I can't quite grasp of what you're saying. Uh, I slow down and I might say, wait, what'd you say? So when we see that, you know, we would hit the brakes. So if we go back to that mock session, you know, with you and I pointed out, I noticed you seem very detached. Do you notice that there's uh, really no sadness when you said that and you lean forward and you said, what? I go, ah, okay. So my intervention just pushed her from underneath kind of fidgeting to maybe your hands went loose, your, lip, your wrists went limp, and then you kind of lost clarity, and it can happen that fast. And so we're paying attention with moment to moment to moment to how someone is responding to how we are trying to connect with them, and then doing these little micro movements on our part to eventually help somebody push up their tolerance to when they go over that threshold level. I sometimes liken uh, it to like, I use my water bottle when I'm trying to describe this to certain people. So uh, for example, all of us have a threshold where we go into that red light anxiety. All of us do, no matter how healthy we are, how much therapeutic work, no matter what's happened to us, we have that moment where we might go into that zone. So let's say you come into the room and you can handle eight ounces of emotion before your body goes over threshold and maybe you start to get fuzzy or your stomach starts to hurt or you tell me you have to go to the bathroom or something. Our task in therapy is to slowly knock this up so that you can start to take more emotion before your body taps out into that red light anxiety zone. And a lot of the times it's in, it's imperceptible. Clients don't even realize it's happening. They come back in a couple of sessions and they say, you know what? I haven't been that tired. My wife hasn't been complaining about me yawning when we have fights. Now I can actually deal with things. I don't know why or how, 
but I can. And, you know, that's when we really discuss the fact that, well, we've been really pushing up your body's ability to tolerate conflict with your life before you put yourself to sleep, which is another way we can sometimes, you know, tap out of an emotional moment. Hmm. And you mentioned micro movements. What are these micro movements? That's just kind of a a, a word I'm using here to describe some of the um, delicate little things that we're doing. I can give you an example. So let's say I'm talking to a client and uh, he's sighing, right? He's looking anxious. And so I think to myself, he's under threshold. His anxiety is good. I'm going to ask him about what feelings are actually here with me that are causing his anxiety in that moment. When I ask him what feelings are coming up towards me, he stops fidgeting and his neck kind of goes limp. And he says, well, I'm not really, I'm not really quite sure. I can tell that asking him about emotions was a little too heavy, put him above threshold. And I'm going to make sure that my next interventions are directed at getting his neck straight and him tense and fidgeting again. And then that will actually And then I draw attention to that. I help him see what's going on. And then I invite feeling again towards me once he gets, you know, solid and sighing again. And this time his neck won't get tense because he's built a little bit. I'm sorry, his neck won't get loose. And then he'll um, slowly gain a tolerance to actually really having a more intimate connection with me, which is essential for any effective therapy. So these are just the little kinds of micro movements, I'm just calling them that, that these, that, that ISTDP therapists take, uh, and because we're watching our patients' micro movements, right? Interesting. When I asked him about his mother, he just completely lost all muscle tone and started even kind of looking a little sleepy. Ah, okay. So then what I'm going to do is I'm going to shift focus, not to his mother, but having him reflect on what just happened, which actually reduces anxiety. So that's what I mean by micro movements. Okay, that's fascinating. And it sounds a little bit like some of the somatic work that I did after after she was killed. Yes. Um, uh, You know, sometimes somatic experiencing therapists complain about psychodynamic because it doesn't use the body enough. And this is what I love about ISTDP is that ISTDP marries a lot of this body work and the psychodynamic principle. So you're, you're absolutely right. There is a lot of focus, um, if not like exclusive focus, to how the body is handling emotions so that it can handle it safely. And it's crazy to me how trauma can affect the body. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's what trauma is. I don't think you can have trauma without it affecting the body. Right. It's like it's it's a wordless, uh, a wordless experience, really. Trauma is. Yeah. Yeah. Mine always gets me in the stomach. So let's say you say that to me. Right. That my trauma affects me in the stomach. Right. I would want to know exactly what that meant. Right. What kind of stomach? Are we talking tension in the abdominals? Are we talking gastrointestinal? Um, what kind of gastrointestinal distress? Does it ever come out as diarrhea? Does it ever come out as, you know, um, uh, constipation? Uh, is it feel like bile, acid? So we're curious about all of those details. And then not only that, what's unique about ISTDD is that we do not talk about trauma just to talk about trauma. We always link it back to someone's 
very specific goals and pay a very, very close attention to the will of the person we're working with. We might talk to somebody. I've had this so many times where someone says, I don't actually want to talk about what happened to me. I'm not ready. And I'm going to say, okay, so what do you want? Now, if that avoidance ends up being part of the reason they're having the problem they're here to see me for, then I'll point that out. But it can be really healing just to have a therapist go, yeah, you don't have to do a thing that you actually don't want to look at. And the good news is, is you don't actually have to always talk about the trauma in order to heal from the trauma. Sometimes you just have to have a relationship that is so anti the trauma you've had that you can heal through that. So there's so many ways and an ISCDP therapist and within ISCDP and, and, you know, really within so many of the derivatives of ISCDP, we really focus on that kind of openness uh, or at least I'd like to think so uh, at the multiple ways of healing. And you combine ISTDP with other forms of therapy too, do you not? So I like to think that um, ISTDP combines many types of therapy. So when I'm, what ISTDP really is, because it's not, it's not a string of techniques, right? It's not like a manualized kind of treatment, really. What it is, is it's a way to assess what's in front of you and whether or not it's working or not and what different things you can try. So I'll be doing ISTDP, but it will be a CBT component. And I'll know I can call it that, but it's still within this framework of understanding psychodynamics and how humans work. And I'm choosing a more cognitive behavioral technique because it fits this specific issue that I'm looking at. Um, Some might argue that you shouldn't combine ISTDP with other things like say EMDR. Um, I'm of the belief that you can combine things. And that we should be very open to how our, our, our clients and our patients need our help. Um, so uh, I think I think it's, I personally happen to think it is conducive to mixing and matching. Okay. And is it something that can be done online? Do, do oh, great question. <laughs> great question. I think I would probably gander a guess that 95% of me and my ISDB colleagues had a complete meltdown when we had to switch to telehealth for the pandemic. And it's because we read body language from head to toe. You know, we use ourselves as emotional tools in the room. Um, And of course, many therapists and and therapies do this too. So I was so close-minded and stubborn about this translating to an online format. But the truth of the matter is, is that it, it thankfully does, beautifully does, so um, it does translate and you just get even better at reading the body language from, you know, here to here. And, you know, if I, if I have a client that starts her session like this, I, I say to, I say to them, you know, please, <laughs> please make sure I can feel at least if you're sighing in your chest or, you know, doing something like that. So yeah, it is conducive to online work. Because I know there aren't many ISTDB trained therapists around. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, and that is one of the negatives about ISTDP, but also one of the positives, which is that it takes years and years and years of training. Um, I was working with someone I met at a conference I was presenting on and she wanted a, a um, 
a one hour supervision or a consultation with me. And she says, so how long is the weekend training to become an ISTDB therapist? And I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to break it to her that it's going to take at least a three-year core training program and then the rest of her life in supervision and in other training groups to like get a grasp on what it is to be a human with another human. So part of that is, I believe, the reason why there um, are not many of us, but now, thankfully, it's really growing. Um, I'm also uh, a faculty member at the Washington School of Psychiatry, and now our program is open to the world, which helps bring you know, uh, people, people in that wouldn't normally have access to certain types of psychotherapeutic training. So hopefully there will soon be more and more and more and more of us available because all of us have wait lists off the wazoo and we need, we need more of us. Yeah. I think you did your training with Lisa and Dan Kelko here at Nomina. Um, no, no, no. I, um, I first met Lisa and Dan. Um, so one of, um, one of the greats of ISTDP, uh, probably the man, the most responsible, but definitely the man most responsible for all of our, um, empirically validated, you know, research is Dr. Alan Abbas in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And I met Lisa and Dan at his yearly conference, his yearly ISTDP conference in Halifax. Um, and, and had the joy of sitting across from them at, at one of our big dinners that we, that we did. Uh, so that's actually how I met them. Um, and then I believe I might be wrong, at least Dan, um, Dan and I have been trained um, by Dr. Abbas, Dan way more than me. I, I've just done one-on-one supervision with Alan, but um, Dan, I think did his, or is doing his core training, but I might be wrong on that. Yeah. Yeah. Dan and I just did a video on uh, the evolutionary psychology which was fascinating because I love that. That's great stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. And you have a book that you're working on for ISTDP, correct? Yes. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that. I'm, I've been working for several years on a book that helps um, ISTDP principles and um, the deeper understanding of ISTDP to get out to the general public because all of our ISTDP books are these beautiful books, but they're meant for clinicians and they're meant as training tools. And uh, we have yet to have a book that is meant for um, just anybody to get an idea of what it is like to sit in an ISTDP session uh, in the long term. So it's a story of uh, two of my patients and my treatment with them with issues around substance abuse, perfectionism, nail picking, depression, anxiety, um, and my own treatment in my own ISTDP therapy um, as a client, um, uh, as well as my treatment and some other therapies that were effective and helpful. So it's really uh, hoping to get out these, these deeper understandings of how our unconscious dynamics work to anyone, no matter if you've had a you know a degree in any sort of psychology before. Yeah, and I think that's the hard part is because I looked at the grief therapy, I looked at talk therapy, I looked at the somatic work, breath work, there were so many different options at the time. Yeah, Yeah. and it was my doctor who said that I had no affect, that I was just flat. And he was very, very concerned and said, you you need to do something. What do I do? Where do I start? What's best for me? So it's nice to have uh, resources where we can look at that that's written in plain English. 
plain English. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, hopefully I will not be the last person uh, to, to do this kind of work and trying to just get this plain English about something very complicated to other people who de- deeply need it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to put your contact information in the description on YouTube and the show notes on the podcast. Awesome. Is there anything that we've missed? Anything else that uh, you wanted to mention? Basically, one thing I'd like to add is that if we are not curious about internal forces that are outside of our awareness, then we're not likely to get where we want to go in our lives. So any therapy, any therapy, whether it's ISTDP or not, that has a very clear understanding of how those unconscious forces work are likely to do a lot of long-lasting, helpful change in someone's life. So that's one of the major elements um, of ISTDP that is the most important part, which is understanding what we cannot see, what we are not meaning to do, what is currently not in our control. Because if everything that we were aware of was just right there, then all of our therapies would take two seconds. You know, therapists would be out of a job. Our whole world would be better. We'd have so much more control and understand why we were doing this, that, or the other thing and exactly how to stop it. But unless we have curiosity about our blind spots, um, we're not likely to get ahead of them and to actually do better for ourselves and others. And that's one of the main things that I'm drawn to about intensive short-term dynamic psychotherapy is it's deep, um, that it is a way to really work with the unconscious um, that is going to be the most safe and effective for each and every individual. Fascinating. I love my job. (laughs) I get to (laughs) Oh my. Me too. I do too. Yeah, you can tell you're very passionate about it. I mean, that's that's the other thing, right? Is that um it's there's nothing boring about this, right? Because you're paying attention so closely to every moment. So it's not like, you know, if someone's telling a long story, you know, you're not ever it's just it's fascinating. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. It's been an absolute pleasure. And as I mentioned, we're going to put all of your contact information because you are not with Nomina. We've been having a lot of people that are from Nomina on here. So it's nice (laughs) to branch out and have another professional. Well, I'm so honored you've asked me, especially considering those facts. And please give my best to Lisa and Dan. I will. I will. 